Who would try and buy Smuckers up 10 bucks after hours before the report? Better yet, who would try and sell Smuckers up 10 bucks after hours? Big beat, but back down. Do you know that Bob Iger taking over Disney is taking effect immediately and making the company more valuable by billions of dollars? As Dennis would say, if you're buying that at 104 after hours, you're doing it wrong or pre-market. Turkey Day week. Will we have a Turkey Day rally? We'll ask Tim Quast about that. Let's get the shortened week started, Mitch. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. We're starting out the week in the red by 21.5 handles at 39.5250. Haven't seen Friday's high or Friday lows yet. Maybe maybe this is going to be one of those kind of range-bound weeks. The buck is strong, up 86.9 cents at 107.70. TLT up a tad, 29 cents. Crude, China, China lockdowns down 63 cents at 79.48. Gold starting to slip, just couldn't hold that uh, 1780 area down 13 and a half dollars, 1740.80. Uh, silver, that's down 35 cents at 20.64. Bitcoin, 16K on the nose, down 530. Not going to be talking about much uh, Bitcoin at Thanksgiving dinner. And Ethereum futures, they're down $82 at $1,119. So let's get the show started with Triple D coming in on this Monday morning. Well, you could have had a good start on Friday, right? If you would have gotten the Smuckers. And you were also thinking about buying Disney on Friday, and you didn't. So let's bring in Money Mitch, too. And uh Money Mitch, how was your how was your weekend? I heard you were hitting the books for your CMA. Yeah, well the CMT, CMT. Got to get it right there. Got to represent them well there. Yeah, they, yeah, you know the country music, you know. I've been singing my country music in the voice going, you know. Got to get got to do it right. But yeah, it's studying a lot and one of the things that I was studying on and I mentioned it on Twitter was a lot of overreactions in market theory. I think Dennis would have truly loved a lot of the, what I was reading. A lot of it was based on different market theories. Of course, you guys can look them up. Efficient market theory, behavior market theory, adaptive market theory. And uh, Dennis, you gave me a new one, right? What's the what's the newer, what's the new one? The new theory. Oh, the inefficient market hypothesis that <laughs> I've talked about before too. So the EMH, they need to trade to the IMH. Because obviously the efficient market hypothesis, the whole thing behind that is that you can't make excess profits from the market because the market is always efficient, always prices in all information. The stupidest theory ever created because the inefficient market hypothesis is why I exist and why I've been around for 22 years because there's inefficiencies everywhere. Dumb money everywhere. So the EMH is just false. It is the IMH, the inefficient market hypothesis you should be learning about. So... Hopefully they change that in the books, but they never will. Well, Dennis, we're gonna have to write our own book on it. I guess, let's do I guess it. that's let's what do we'll it. have to do. You know, let's do it, money match, man. All right, man. let's get into the markets. Let's take a look of what's going on. A lot of, of course, uh, Bitcoin was dragging down, but it looked to me like someone might have gotten smucked out of JM Smuckers. Let's get towards that. Wild trading. Let's we're talk start about with the Smucker. story. On the a day smucks. that Iger, I guess because, Dis- you know, they've talked Disney on CNBC relentlessly for basically the last 12 hours, you know, yeah. on, online. I mean, so, it's so a So let's CEO not even talk change. Disney. We'll just go for it. We won't even mention Disney. Well, who cares? 
Yeah, we'll we'll get to the house of mouse. They got mouses to worry about in there. They got they got worrying out there. Let's go to JM Smuckers first. Let's go to an earnings report. Then we'll go to the CEO news. JM Smuckers Q2 EPS coming in here at two dollars and forty cents. Uh, beats the $2.19 estimate. Sales at $2.21 billion beat the $2.17 billion estimate. They did raise full year 23 EPS guidance and also raised sales growth guidance from 44 uh, and 5% to 55 and 6.5% on the high end. So good outlook there, but yet giving up some of the lead there. Lots of stories here. So I was trying to trade SJM because I could see the buyer after hours Friday night and they were coming up and they wanted to buy. And I'm like, they're up, bidding up three bucks. And then you could just see them aggressively stepping up and there's nothing in the book. I mean, an SJM book on a Friday night, it's just basically empty. So I threw out an order to sell it short at 157. I was like, you want to give me a 10 point lead on SJM? I'll take it all day long. 10 point lead going into the earnings. I throw out my 157. And then I go back and look at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it traded multiple times up in my price. Guess how many shares I got? Zero. Welcome to this beautiful world of off-exchange trading where those off-exchange market makers. I'm the only person. I'm the only offer in the book, and it trades at my price. Still don't get it because the off-exchange market maker simply matches my price. So that what that means is somebody came in to try to buy my 157, but if it comes from retail, the off-exchange market maker can take the option of coming in and saying, no, I'll sell it at 157. So they sell at 157. I don't get filled. And now, I obviously, I watch the stock trade at 147 thinking, man, 10 bucks would have been nice. So congratulations, off-exchange market maker. You can send me a Christmas card for giving me your price because I put my price out there, but you took my fill. Thank you very much, Mr. Off-exchange market maker. We'll take it. We'll take it. Put it. I don't know bag. why this thing traded to 152. One, I'm... I mean, uh, up ten this, bucks this reset, on, forget on, about on a that. Stock. Uh, That's ridiculous, even without the earnings. It was good earnings. The earnings were fine. Exit. Well, you know, one fifty two sixteen. But let's just look at Friday's range. I'm not going to try and give you any resistance right now. I would say you better hold one forty seven seventeen. That was the top of Friday's range, or or else you could be looking at the close. Your next daily high uh, comes in at one forty eight eighty seven. But so, since this is uh, Thanksgiving, we're going week. We're going to be talking a lot about food. You guys should go to I, Smuckers. Is I know you're you're you know a very you know, um, I want to say a cheaper brand, but it's, but man, have you ever had American <laughs> Spoon? Uh, they're a Michigan based company, American no. Spoon. Oh, yeah, go to their Michigan. site, man. They got some. No, Dennis, I can send you. No, you can go and order it online. Send me some American Michigan Spoon jam. Uh, oh, jam, uh, barbecue sauce. Salsa, um, unbelievable. Check it out. I like when someone when someone does really not something nice for me. So that's why, Dennis, you haven't gotten any. Like I like I said, there you go, right there. I should get a little promo. Yeah, there's some good stuff. Oh, they got a show the big package. Yeah, yeah. Look, holiday gifts. They got holiday gifts. What? Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Holiday package. I expect some jam from you, Joel, for Christmas. Send oh, that jam that, to that's me right there. That's Dennis. Go, that's a Dennis that face right there. I see Dennis all <laughs> over that's that. Me kid. right there. <laughs> jamming. <laughs> I'm jamming. All right. Send the bill to American Spoon. We got to get on the American Spoon game. I action. It already had its big move. It's already had the big move. It got silly town when it obviously went up to 157 after hours, and then it was trade 155 this morning. It's a multiple silly town. It's smuckers. It's going to move a few bucks on earnings. It's not going to move 10 bucks on earnings probably ever. Maybe it can, but it's going to be a hell of a report to make it move that much. So it's come back in. Ah, uh, this is a nothing burger. I don't even know where it goes from this point in time. I'd sell it up 10. I'm not going to sell it up a buck. Next. Hey, well, all I all know right, we is we got to talk about the house and mouse. Now. Let's get it so, out of the way. Let's go towards it. Let's house talk let's about what happened. Disney, of course, uh, CEO Bob Jacob with uh, replacing CEO Bob Jacob now with Bob Iger coming back. Of course, Iger, who had worked 15 years as Disney's chief, had previously said that he would not return to the job. Well, it looks like they might have leaned him over. He's back. 
What do you guys feel about this? Is this a bullish thing for Disney? Well, we look how we know how the stocks reacted towards it, wow. but how do you guys think about it? I mean, Kramer has been calling for this on CNBC for a long time, so you know he's going to come on at nine o'clock and be rah rah by Disney. There's no <laughs> doubt he's coming on. He was me. already saying if you can buy this at ninety eight, you buy it at ninety eight. They had the Kramer number to actually trade down to almost ninety eight. So I mean, if you were doing that, you're doing pretty good. So Kramer inverse ETF losing money on that play because he was calling for this. He got it. He's called the 98. Kramer's kind of all over this. Guaranteed, like I said, when he comes on 9 o'clock, he's going to be like, buy the stock. So that could move it up further, no too. No way. I did not get – what's that? What, Joel? What do you mean, no way? You don't he's going to say, gonna buy the stock up 9 bucks. He's going to say, buy the do stock up 9 Do you not watch bucks? Jim Kramer? Do you not watch Jim I yeah, cannot he, he watch those care. He stuff. only buys take... the stocks that go up, and he only sells the stocks that go down. He's a momentum yeah, trader. He's a mom- he well, always buys everything that's way up, and he always sells everything that's way down. He's a momentum trader. That's why he killed it in 2020, and that's why he's not killing it in 2022. So I'm calling right now predicting Jim Cramer is going to say, you can buy us a 98 $99, $100. You absolutely buy it, and he's going to say it's going to 120 or he's going to be done price targets, but he's going to be bullish at 9 so I'm upset because I had it on my sheet to buy more of this down at 90. It never quite got to 90. Why they couldn't do this like tomorrow or the next day to get me filled at 90 would have been good. I obviously still am long Disney. Wish wish, wish I had the full, full size position, which I do not. So disappointed that I'm not participating as much as obviously I could have. And that is what it is. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think Disney All Plus. Right, I'll make my technical driver, comments right? here. Yeah, <coughs> I mean, I can't get. I mean, Disney. Well, first of all, you know, you're blaming this guy for whatever deals he did. Uh, has anybody looked at any other stocks in this sector? I mean, Netflix has had a rally. I mean, this is not you know anything new to Disney. Uh, yeah. If there's no real stock, a, we'll stop you right they, there. There's, we're going to stop you right there, Joel. There's no real stock like Disney. You can say, oh, it's in the media sector. Oh, it's like Paramount. Oh, it's like Netflix. It's a combo of it all. I mean, Disney is the best run company. It's, you know, not that it's, you know, maybe it wasn't run well by JPEG, but if you look overall over the course of the last 150 or 60 years, I mean, this company runs very well. They screwed up with the Fox acquisition. They know it. I believe that was under JPEX watch. I'm not 100% on that. But, I mean, obviously they wanted some change. They maybe, you know, were aggressive too much on some of these other buys as well. But for the most part, I mean, the parks are killing it. They got this. You know this is my my play that I've been saying, obviously, also for the metaverse eventually. I think there's just a lot of, you know, reasons to own Disney. There's less reason when it's up 9%. I would wait for a pullback here now. Uh, but obviously, you're buying Thursday or Friday at 90. I kind of wanted to be buying it Thursday or Friday at 92. It just never got to my price. So disappointed. But so, so I don't you think, think you can go, Joel, just to finish the point. I don't think you can just say, oh, the other stocks in Disney's sector. Disney is best breed by a, a long shot I, in that sector. Paramount doesn't have, you know, you know, you can say, oh, Universal Studios. Or you can say, you know, it's not Disney World. So, I mean, Disney is best of breed, and it's its own breed in a lot of great cases. What about the people that bought it Okay, in so the stock January? ended – two. the stock is the same area it was in 2016, Dennis. Boom, So it's Joel. a well-run Joel, company. We, we came for the right – I love Joel because yeah, I mean, we, we're coming a, with the same yeah, thing. I mean, we're you can keep trying. It had that ridiculous run to 200. It's the same – it's a horrible relative performance since 2016 – I have no interest in owning it at 90. I have no interest in owning it at 120. I wish I would have saw, you know, shorted it at 200. But when I look at a stock on a monthly chart, and it's the same place that it was in 2016, it's not a well-run company. And maybe they're doing too many things. Maybe they need to sell some stuff. Maybe they need to do a total shakeup. But bringing this guy in, the former head of the company, to bring this company in to do something to me, it's just like a last gasp effort to try and figure things out. Same place it was in 2016. Not a great relative performance. Well, that's, that's why we have a market. Confusing. I still think yeah. long term you're going to be happy if you own Disney here. Short term, I agree. It has been a terrible relative performer. Short term. It's obviously been a rough market for a lot of things. I still say if we're going to a recession, it's not going to be good for Disney either. 
I'm not buying it up 9%, even though Kramer's going to say it later to today, he's probably buying it up 9%. I'm not. I don't chase stocks. But I still think 10 years from now, I think you'd be happy if you bought Disney right today or even, you know, Friday. Yeah, but, I would think that um, the only thing that I would think is maybe could you get it a little bit cheaper? But of course, that 100 seems to be like a level where Disney usually catch a bounce. You can take a look. And that's why you see that monthly chart. A lot of support around this area. We'll I see like this the area holds. I like the 90. It was coming mm-hmm. to the 90. Okay. And yeah. now we get this news that just basically happened on me a day early. Because I think I would have ended up buying it this week. And it just the news came out, stocks popped. Kramer called it. Good call, Kramer. One uh, thing that we're not talking it. about with Disney that could be affecting the business, right, is the ad tier, right? And how that's going to affect the next quarter. Um, how many subscribers will they be able to add in the December time with their ad tier coming out? I think this is an important time for Disney because I can tell you, as a person that will be getting Disney Plus only for December. I, I will be a part of those subscribers. Why am I getting Disney Plus for Disney? Because a lot of the Christmas movies are going to be on Disney Plus. If you want to go ahead and see them, well, you might have to just subscribe. So this could give them a little bit of a holiday boost um, in Disney Plus subscribers. What do you guys feel about that? I think the Disney Plus product is a good product, too. I think it's not on par with Netflix. But again, the valuation of it, I mean, what are they valuing it at? They're valuing it next to zero. Disney was $120 before they had Disney Plus. It's 90 now. I mean, I don't think they give hardly any value to it whatsoever. So I think the, I think it was a good move. Bring Iger back, clean it up. And, you know, maybe, you know, obviously, you know, if the recession happens, that's a different story for Disney, which, you know, keeps me a little bit concerned on the stock. But so I know I still think I think it's a good management change. I think they need to clean it up. I don't think you're paying much for Disney Plus. So I think there's a lot of room for that product to grow in different ways. Like I said, you could even have Metaverse through that play. There's so many different things straight, you know, movies coming straight to Disney Plus. It just makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't think the companies run as bad as, you know, Joel or other people think it is, too. So I just think it's it's a rough time for a lot of companies right now. Like it's going into a rough time for a, a little bit of a rough patch. They All need right, to sell some stuff. Yeah, they do. They need let's to well, that, that, That's where they went wrong. That's where it. they went wrong. They did too many. You know, the, the Fox deal was a bad deal. They paid mm-hmm. too much. It, it put, put a lot of debt on there. It's the reason they can't put their dividend back. They screwed up on the Fox deal. Was that under JPEG? Was that under, under JPEG? Do we yeah, know I that? Think we, I think we saw that it was under JPEG. When was he in? So when did he do the Fox? 2019. When did JPEG come in? Uh, Disney, Google answers. JPEG. Uh, JPEG. Uh, date. I don't know how you Google that. Disney, JPEG, the date. <laughs> when did he come in? Was he under? And, and, and you can help us out on this too, chat if you know it. I believe the that fi- the Fox deal was under JPEG, though. I don't know if we ever checked that. No, Florida's saying it was under Iger. They're no, saying it was, it was under, under Iger. Iger. It was under Iger. He, he got in at 2020. So so what the hell is JPEG really? I don't know. Yeah, yeah why is he getting kicked out? It's not his <laughs> fault. I say the Fox deal is a bad deal, but it doesn't look like it was on his watch. Why is he getting kicked out? Because the pandemic? Because everything else went down like Joe mentioned? I mean, there's kind of a point there too. Yeah, I, I would say he didn't really need to see his way out. But Iger I think better not buy another fox. Another thing was always was scared. mentioned was that these two guys didn't get along, right? There has always been a mention that they both have different strategies of what uh, they think Disney should be doing. So I think this is kind of more of a case where the board likes Iger more than Chapek's ideas, and so they're going back to Iger. They said, you know what? We're going back to you because you've been doing better in the long run. And in the short run, I think JPEG got the shorter end of the stick. It's because the stock is down. I mean, That's it. That's it. Joel, that's it. It's because the stock is down. It's not not because he's doing anything wrong, I think, in in that sense. Dennis, can you run your filter of when new CEOs come in and they get these big pops and then where the stock is one week later? I mean, is he instantly going to fix this company? 
I mean, it's, I mean, just to, if this is a news driven market, this is an algo driven market. I know you give that argument sometimes, but it doesn't make any sense to me because, I mean, the market is still looking ahead. I mean, we could say, you know, it's not going to instantly change it. So why is it instantly worth more money? The market's looking ahead saying Iger did a better job. We're challenging whether he did or not. I don't know if he did or not. So. You know, but again, I don't make a lot of money. I'm not on. The, I'm not on the side. I'm not going to be like Kramer and say buy Disney up ten bucks. I'm like, I'm just pissed off. I didn't buy it on Friday. Okay. So I mean, I'm. I'm. You know me. Buy the dip, sell the rep. Not very often I say buy the rep. So I'm not buying the rip here. On Would Disney you consider today. getting rid of you, you wouldn't you? You're, so you're not selling out on this pop, like no, what I'm you not have and buying. I only have a half size big... position in Disney. Okay. And I wish uh, I had the full size. So I'm kind of ticked off, you know, that I was like, I had the 90. I had it written on my piece of paper last week. I was like, Disney at 90. I never got there. I got to 91. I guess I should have jumped in and jumped ahead a little bit, but you don't pay attention. So. Just didn't hit your level, Dennis. That's it what just I was didn't get there. Yeah. Let's go to Goldman Sachs now as they're lowering their price target on oil. Yes, could you believe it? They're taking it down here. Uh, they're lowering its oil price uh, forecast by $10 to $100 a barrel for the fourth quarter of 2022, citing COVID concerns in China and lack of clarity over the group's seven uh, nations plan to cap Russian oil prices. Just two weeks remaining for the EU embargo to take place on effect on crude alongside with the G7 price cap. So these are some things to keep in mind in the oil markets. Is it time that these oil stocks finally turned around because I said that on Friday and they started the turn, but they came right they back. They came back, yeah. Close, so I don't know about these. I'm definitely a little bit on the fence, still leaning a little bit on the bearish because I think we could get at least a retracement, but the trend has been strong. They, they can't stop because the low PEs, the yeah, low PE trade is still on. So they don't even care if they've had a run. The, the market is just so hungry for low PE. That's what's driving energy. It's why, it, yeah. and it's it's also why you know the banks are holding up too. I mean, the banks aren't participating in the recent sell-off. You got J.P. Morgan sitting right up there. Starts to go down a little bit. Buy it right back. The drug stocks we know that dip that we had last week, like on Merck, we were talking about the Bristol Myers. I mean, think about you know what we were saying a week ago. It's like we've got that ridiculous pullback in those drug stocks. It's like those are the kind of stocks I bought. They bought Lilly right back. They bought Amgen, or they're trying to buy Amgen right back. Biogen's making and looking out, breaking new highs. Gilead can't even pull back Gilead. I mean, it's the low PE trade is still on. I don't know when that breaks, but and some of these stocks are overextended, but those stocks are still cheap. So, I mean, the energy trade is just pure. It's not so much what oil's doing. It's that these things have low PEs. And the low PE trade is not going away anytime soon. After 2002, the tech bubble burst. The low PE trade was hot for years. So it doesn't have to be like one month. Oh, yeah, the low PE trade is going to come off. People want value. People want cash now. When you're in a rising interest rate environment, when you're in an inflationary environment, a dollar today is worth a lot more than a dollar tomorrow. When you're buying growth stocks, you're buying dollars tomorrow. When you're buying cash cows with low PEs, you're buying dollars today. That is why these stocks continue to have a relentless bid because all these money managers were in all these growth names. They're all trying to move all retails and all these growth names, storied stocks, not in the P. Now they're all of a sudden like, oh. So they're trying to scramble. And every time they pull back a little bit, people are scrambling to get in these stocks. The low PE trade could stick for a long time. All right. So um, I don't know about that. You know, the uh, the oil stocks are totally different. And I've been talking about that for a lot. I mean, Mitch and I were talking about that. There's the low PE thing is there. But I think in six years, Disney's is going to be at a hundred bucks. Okay. And I think in six years, oil is going to be at 60 bucks, 70 bucks. I think that you had, when you're looking at the monthly chart here, that negative, whatever, 10, negative 20, we all know that was an aberration. Let's just say the low was 10 and and then it did get up to 120. We did see that. Okay. Neither of those are sustainable levels for very long, as we can see from the charts. But what markets tend to do is they tend to go back to equilibrium, okay, where they trade over history. And the equilibrium for crude is not 120, it's not 100, it's not even 80, it's definitely not 20, it's not 30, it's not 40. 
So this is going back, whatever circumstances, diesel or uh, electric cars or whatever, it's going back to 60 bucks. It will consolidate there. And oil stocks are a whole different thing because they're still just pumped. They're making a lot of money. Whoa. They pay a dividend. This is a low PE market. But mar the historical standard deviations got rate crazy at 120, got real crazy during the pandemic. And that maybe it'll just be range bound for between 60 and 80. There's not the Goldman's going to come down in three months and say, oh, we're lowering our target to 100. Oh, we're lowering our target to 90. Oh, we're lowering our target to 80. So that's just that that's my six year opinion okay. on uh, oil. When was the high, the 120 on oil? When was the high? June? Was it June? Uh, when do we check out? It's under 120. You got the little arrow there, but what? 118, 117. When? Well, we yeah, we hit it. We hit it in March, and then we came back up again in June. You're correct. Yeah. So look at XLE in the same period, and now we're higher. So oil has come down thirty dollars a barrel, but yet XLE and not I quite agree. XOP never got to those highs, but XLE is higher. XOM is higher than it was. Chevron is higher. Like, how is that possible? Again, we're going to go right back to the thing. It's possible because the PE expansion, as much as you're getting PE contraction in a lot of these tech names, you're getting PE expansion in oil names. And, you know, I missed this trade and I'm disappointed in myself because I've been, you know, I'm a value type of guy. But I mean, and I was the same boat. I was like, well, if oil comes down, these stocks are going to come down. Well, they try, but we're getting so much multiple expansion on the oil stocks that the stocks are actually going up when oil is going down overall, which is very impressive. So, I mean, you got a stock like Tesla making a new 52-week low again today. Why does that happen? Because they're moving from high PE to low PE. I don't know when the mindset changes, but as long as interest rates are staying high for the foreseeable future, that trade could stay hot. So if you're buying Tesla at the 52-week lows and selling Exxon at the 52-week highs, it's been a painful trade, even though I love to buy the dip and sell the rip. I don't want to buy high PE names and sell low PE names because that's not what's working. Dennis, excellent point here. Because if 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 if, uh, if oil was going to 110, 120, 130 over a sustained period of time, then where would this XOP be? That, that, that's an excellent point. They're not going to the to the oil and the gas expiration we got all we need it's it's uh it's the you know the refiners the people that are selling the gas that are making you know that fine-tune their companies they're still making plenty of money maybe at 60 or 65 but if this chart if this xop was it oh man what this thing was it three and a quarter did this do some re 336 if this thing was busting out at all-time highs then I would say my thesis is wrong. The money, you're you're right. I mean, it's a that's a great chart. It's a it's a um, you know a great I'm indication. A... So they're different. They're different. They're different stock or you know different fundamentals. But they're not. They're, the oil and exploration is not where it's at. It's you know it's in that the the big conglomerates that are selling all the oil, making all the money. I it, you're right. I I've missed the move too. I've I've been. Uh, you know, probably is that's okay though. It's yeah. okay to miss the move. You know, we're this trading gets... everything. We can't be in everything. You know, I get frustrated with myself when I miss the move too. But it's okay to miss the move. But you've got to identify why. You know, you've got to be able to change. And I'm not saying I'm buying oil stocks here, but I'm not going to necessarily just short oil stocks because I even know I'm fighting this violent okay. move to low PEs. I like the drug stocks the best because I think they've been underperformers for a decade. I think it's their time. I think I've, I've been long all these things, so I know they've been underperformers for a decade. You know, we've been talking to Biogen. We've been talking to Gilead. I'm not long the Gilead. I am long the Biogen. I'm a buyer of pullbacks on all these names because you know why? They're just dirt cheap. They're dirt cheap. They're making money. They do well in a recession. That's the one thing about the oils is if we go in a recession, well, that's going to not be good for oil even though they have low PE. But the drugs still do well. So the drugs win in even if we go into a recession. So the only way the drugs start to lose is if we go into this full risk on mode where they're like all of a sudden, you know, the arcs are coming back, Tesla's rip roaring and rallying back and everybody's risk on and then the drugs get forgotten again. I don't think yeah. that's happening anytime soon, though. You've burned all those people as overhead supply and all of that stuff. And I think there's underneath demand in the drugs, underneath demand in the banks. There's honestly under, underneath demand in the oil stocks too. So there's lots of opportunities in this market. It feels like a vicious bear market, but
but there's a bull market going underneath, on underneath yeah. the underneath the hood, and it's in low PE names. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the oil sector is not you know as big a part of you know the overall. I mean, they are it going will, up. Is the share moving up, man? Rebalancing. It's yeah. starting to grow. Like, where is Exxon? Is it in there yet? Tom it's Tom? it's in there. Yeah, it was it's, out of there for a while. It's well, coming back. Number one. Remember when it was number one, Dennis? Yeah. It was well. GE was number one too. Exxon Mobil was number one, and that. But you know, I still I look at this thing once, twice a week, and I still look at the market caps, and I'm like, they're never going to catch Apple. I feel like they're never going to catch Apple. I feel like they're never going to catch Microsoft. I combine the Googles. I feel like they're never. It's going to take a lot. You got Brick B after you get all the big dogs. I'm sure Tesla's slipping now too. But there was at one point where. You know, I'm looking at the bottom half now, UNH, ExxonMobil, J&J, uh, JPM. NVIDIA was in there. Meta was in there. I mean, all in the top six or seven. So they're sneaking their way up. I, I remember when both Chevron and ExxonMobil were uh, in the top 10 components of the S&P. So there's no doubt you got to, you know, you got to turn the blinkers off when it comes to the you know, to the oil stocks versus the uh, the actual actual crude oil. I mean, crude could go to 70 based on what you pointed out, Dennis. Crude could go to 70 and ExxonMobil could be a 140. So, you know. If the multiple expansion continues, and I don't know when that stops, the trade could come off any time. But my job as a trader isn't to identify pretty charts. It isn't to identify, you know, the fundamentals so much. It's identify relationships. And what do I see? I try to find those relationships before everybody else. I've been talking about this for a while. Low PE stocks. Run your Finviz scan. Run your Benzinga scan. Find low PE names. Those are the ones you want to be buying on the dips because I think that trade continues for the foreseeable future because interest rates are not going down. Even if they pivot, they're not going right back to 2%. When they start to really hammer them down in the growth. But you saw, even on the good CPI, even on the good CPI, we got the good, huge rally in ARKK. And yeah, Kathy's rah-rah taking her victory lap. I'm back. Three days later, gives half of it back. Because you know why? All those names are still expensive. Even if we do, even if the Fed does pivot, it doesn't mean they're necessarily going or to start lowering rates right away. It means they might slow it down. They're thinking about, you know, slowing it down. That's still not good enough. When you're paying, you know, nosebleed multiples for these names. And Tesla is making new lows. Yeah. Not because ooh, the company, ooh. you can say it's because, oh, Musk is at Twitter and he's wasting all of his time at Twitter and he's tweeting and he's going to leave Tesla and leave him hanging. And maybe there's a little bit of that, but there's also a lot of PE contraction happening. What's the PE on it now? What's the, is it still super high? I don't, yeah, it's extreme. I don't it's even like need to look. 80 or 90. Yeah, I don't even need to look to know that it's extremely Maybe high. it's six, 70 going forward. Maybe 65 going forward. This thing forward. could still go. It could get halved not and cheap. still be high. <laughs> you could cut Tesla in half and it's still not cheap. Yeah, exactly. You could That's cut what it to I 90. The stock yeah. would still be relatively expensive to its peers. Yeah, now, definitely. if it cut 90 because of the growth and everything that's there, the stock's probably attractive. Somebody was saying, where would you buy Tesla? I would probably buy it at 100 bucks. I'm not buying it at 175 though. It's still, it just doesn't fit my, I didn't buy it at 300, I buy it at 200. It's still not cheap. It's not, you know, and the growth is maybe there. But again, there's competition coming for that too. There's going to be EVs everywhere. So I'm just challenging whether the growth rate can even be sustained. There's a lot of reasons not to own Tesla. I'd love to do on a chart here, like all the different times, like uh, he sold. I know it was like around a thousand, right? I mean, so I mean, there's all he he's. I don't know. He still has a large percentage of the company, but you know, oh, I asked Twitter if I should sell. Oh yeah, Twitter. You know those polls. He he's smart. I mean, he'll probably be, he sold more. I was a little surprised he sold some more recently. And that was, I mean, if that was not another warning sign, I believe it was right around 200. He came in and sold some more. So, uh, but anyways, uh, let's, uh, do we want to try and do one more stock here? We got a, that was a great discussion, Des. I'm really glad you showed me that, uh, that XLE and looking at that dirt. Uh, different from oil because low that, PEs are yeah, cool that's again. A, it seems big, somebody's yeah. saying the Ford P is thirty seven on Tesla. I don't know if it is. I, I don't. Um, think I, it I don't. That. I maybe I maybe on some that. high estimates. Obviously, when you're looking at Ford P, you're basing it on estimates. Nobody knows what those earnings actually are going to be. So maybe in some analysts, you know, some bullish analyst view that the P's high Ford P is thirty seven. 
What's the current PE? It's like 70, though. On yeah, I know, backward it's, looking, I know it's is very it not? high. I don't even need to. It's not cheap yet. Up. Not cheap. Here, I'll look at it for you Even guys. at 37, it's not cheap. 55. 55. 55 right now. And then forward, you got some people putting it at 33. But, of course, that can always change. Well, you, you don't um, know. When you're looking at forward. Exactly. Forward. forward that's why I look at regular. It's a thing to look at. Because it's based on estimates. It's mm -hmm. based on the, the projections of where the earnings growth is going. But that can change. So, I mean, you're better to look at the current one, Ronnie and Carlos, 55, 54. So, it's less than 70, probably just because I haven't looked at it for a while. And the stock's come down so much. Last time I looked at it, it was 70. And the stock's come down so much. The P is now 55. But I can't buy 55. I think that was the song. Yeah, we'll see I what happens. I can't drive 55. <laughs> Joel, oh, hey, Joel gets that. <laughs> that was my point. We'll see what else is going on in Tesla and oil stocks. Seems like my original winner thesis was not off, but I just got off of that. Uh, was thinking too much of recession concerns that brought me out of the oil names and missed the whole move. So definitely kicking myself. Gotta on separate the oil them. Names. Got, that's what I, Triple D so good I, at, man. He can. I mean, I, I had the right timing. Had the right timing. Winner, winner. It's here. It's it's making the run. Just didn't follow my thesis there, and so that's how it's been. Uh, it's also a seasonality play too. I think you know, winner being here is definitely helping them. I don't think it's hurting them. Let's go towards Tim Quas. It's time, none other than, of course, for Market Structure Mondays. All right, Tim Quas, what's going on? Let's get into the market and see what is going on out there. What's the market structure telling us? Hey, good to see you guys. Happy, happy Monday to you. Happy Thanksgiving week. Um, <clears throat> Uh, well, well, we can have a look at that. I was, I was listening to the, you know, sitting there listening to you uh, talking for a bit. And so Dennis says, which thing comes first, the price or the multiple? This is, you know, the, the multiple that's assigned to something, which thing comes first? <laughs> this to I, me is, you know, the, 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 uh, what, the vexing idea <clears throat> uh, that, that surrounds earnings multiples. I mean, is it just a function of price or is it actually um, um, a meaningful metric? Anyway, uh, I digress. The market, so Mitch, you asked about market structure. And one of the things that we uh, talk about is, uh, is context. What, what's happening in the cadence and calendar uh, of the market? And so today, that's the first thing that I would say, you know, about set, setting everything else from winter and what benefits uh, oil stocks or doesn't to uh, whether whether the market has gotten its footing and and the things that look bad before look pretty good again and maybe that's a sign that the market's going to be fine. Set all that aside. What is happening today in the cadence and calendar of the market? Well, new options are trading, and these are the final options of 2022. They will expire just before Christmas. And so if you're big institutions who are going to uh, do year-end cleanup, if you haven't already, uh, from here to December, this is how you're going to hedge to protect yourself. And so I think it can be very telling. And if you looked at the market at the moment, you say, well, it appears to be a yawn. You know, there's the, the, the Dow's down 30 points or so, and that's against the backdrop of Disney up about 12% at the moment on a surprise management change. So you'd look at that and say, well, it seems to be nothing. Well, we don't know yet. So new, new options trade today, and then tomorrow is what we call Counterparty Tuesday. It's the, it's the day every month when big banks, there are five big banks that handle 97% of the derivatives market. And they will true up their books on the things that expired last week and the stuff that trades today. And it's very big. It's, you know, it's trillions of dollars. So uh, what I do in context of that market structure is to sit out because <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's, so when we talked last week, I highlighted some things that I said would do to probably do pretty well, including GE, but that I would be out by November 15th because I don't know what's going to happen around options expirations. And none of those things did well after that. They all did fine into it, uh, but I think that's why it matters. The reason I mention these things is we can talk about all kinds of things that are inputs into how stocks are valued, 
but this is a big deal. Market structure is a big deal because it overrode every other factor. It overrode Sam Bankman-Fried going bankrupt and having the guy who oversaw Enron step in and take over uh, and everything else that happened in the news in between. Market structure was a great indicator for why you should, you should just step aside for a moment. That's how I think about it, Mitch. Tim, I want to ask you about this quad witch expiration here. Um, boy, early this year, because uh, December 2nd is your first Friday. So December 16th. So carrying those, you know, sometimes, you know, obviously a bit, a bit, little bit later. Um, I, I mean, how do you think that, that that's going to could play to it being so far, you know, from from the you know the end of the year. Have have you seen this in the past? And what's been the market's reaction? It's a great it's a great point, Joel, and it's something we've talked about internally too. And uh, the way we look at this, uh, expirations are actually split into two weeks in December, which are which is very unusual. And that happens when the VIX VIX expirations occur in a different week than the options and futures on indexes and stocks that expire. And it can and it can create tumult. We have historically seen those periods uh, turn out to be a lot a lot rockier than a typical period. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen between now and then. I can tell you that it's almost like clockwork that the market moves between these periods. You could go back to June 16 and options reset and the market took off and leverage was added at July expirations and the market continued higher and we got to August expirations and boom, it fell apart. And there was a little blip into September expirations and it continued right down to the end of the quarter and everything reset. October 1st, money rushed back in. There was leverage at October uh, options expirations. And up we've gone into November expirations. Now, again, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think these are important things, traders, to understand. Because if you just treat the, the stock market like every day is a new day, you start over at zero and away we go, you will forget about these things and you will get caught out. You know, here's something to think about. that if it, so the, So SPY... The proxy for the S&P 500 is down about 15% this year. I mean, we've, we've, re, we've made a lot of ground back up. But think about this. If you added up just the down days for SPY, which isn't very volatile, by the way, the market's down 145%. If you, if you added up just the up days, the days that SPY closes up higher than zero, up, up something, it's up 129%. So... Imagine if you so if you think about the context and the cadence of the market and how I want to be in the market when it's rising and not in the market when it's falling. And people say we can't time the market. Well, it's not timing. It's using math. It's using math to understand that there's a lot of volatility. And if I can avoid some of the down days and capture more of the up days, I will dramatically outperform the market. In a perfect world, you would be up a hundred and 29%. Well, you can't capture it perfectly. Mathematically, it's possible, but it's highly improbable. But if you could capture just 20% of that, you would be doing way better than the market. And that's why these things matter, because the volatility, the risk in the market tends to increase around them. So yep. that's, to me, why it matters. Definitely. You're calling out that volatility. Let's look <laughs> underneath the hood and see what's looking good and opportunities for this week. Of course, we got the Disney news. We can take a quick peek into Disney. Maybe look at some other big names, uh, like one like Amazon. It got some lift yesterday, uh, last week, but then started falling back down. Could take a look at maybe some of the bigger stocks let's go ahead and take a look of course you guys yourself can take a look at market structure edge and check out the 30-day free trial throw up that link in the chat so you guys can keep up with market structure edge let's get to it tim okay so here's disney and and it's almost as though there were some bets that this might occur and and somebody might know here's uh, so there are three things Tim, on to this that view. point. Disney was bit up the entire after hour session on Friday. <laughs> like, it's... I'm like, what's the new deal with Disney? I'm like, what's the deal with Disney? It's really strong here after hours on Friday. Mm -hmm. So always interesting. I you know, when it... you say somebody might know, it's right. like, there's a lot of times somebody knows something. 
And I would say that the discussion must have happened about November 16, because that's where short volume dropped sharply in Disney. So for those of you who have never seen Market Structure Edge, there are three things. It's a very simple platform and you don't have to know very much. Because I, you know, I, I, I can't process a lot of information. Three is plenty for me. So you're looking at demand, a, an algorithm that meters buying and selling by investors and traders, 10-point scale, the closing price for Disney, and supply, which is short volume. So when demand and supply diverge, stocks tend to rise. Well, look what happened. Here's an uptick in demand. It's, you know, it's not at five, but it went wham, wham, two days. Look at the supply side, down. Well, that's, I think, right here is where somebody must have said, you know, they're going to bring Iger back. <laughs> so <laughs> you could see that stuff, too. You know, you could know, you could, you could by Thursday know, hmm, something's developing over here at Disney. And uh, there you go. So, it, you know, is, is Disney likely to, to hold gains for a number of days? Yes. And I would bet today with new options trading. This tells us that people are going to ladder into calls as opposed to puts, and that can be beneficial. I mean, you, you maybe you buy calls on Disney because you could turn around and sell them to somebody. Again, it may not work out mathematically, but that math is very compelling. It says it probably will. Uh, okay, so Amazon. Is that what you said, Mitch? Let's have a quick look at this. Yeah, by all means. Okay. And we can talk about where I think the money is going and where it isn't based on these supply-demand equations. It's kind of interesting. So here's Amazon. This, you know, if you were going to buy Amazon, the best time to have done it uh, in this data, well, I'll tell you, it's tough. I can't look at this and say there's any super great time, maybe here where demand rose and supply was very low. You might be able to get a few gains. Here's a big short covering event right into options mm. expirations. Uh, and so you might be able to get a little bit of a gain, but when demand and supply rise at the same time, they can cancel each other out. It's difficult uh, if, if the things are moving at the same pace to get any gain out of that. I, it's, it's not terrible, but it's not what I would buy. That's not what I would buy as we begin the final options uh, set of the year. Tim, what we've been talking about, and I don't know if you were listening, was this move to low PE names. And I mean, Amazon is a high PE right. name. And I'm yep. wondering in your data if you're seeing the same thing because we can see it in price action. It's like mm -hmm. the oil stocks continue to have a relentless bid. Why? They all have low PEs. The drug stocks continue to have a relentless bid. Why? Because they have low PEs. You have obviously the banks. Why do they have, you know, seem to keep getting bought on dips? They have low PEs. And then you jump over to the tax, like Amazon. You're like, well, why yep. can't Amazon catch a bit? Why can't Tesla catch a bit? Well, those are higher PE stuff. So, like, I feel like the whole trend is towards yeah. from high PE to low PE. Are you seeing that in your data as well? I guess you could interpret it that way, Dennis, because if I looked at the, the and I've got a lot of portfolios here, but I'm just going to point uh, attention to the sectors. So if I look yeah. at communication services, uh, you know, that's a, that's not bad as a, and there, there are lower PE stocks in that group than tech, generally speaking. So pretty good demand side supply starting to rise, but it's, it's well below 50%. Here's the thing that I would, I would note because, you know, interestingly, semiconductors tend to be low PE, you know, like applied materials, right? So if you, you and it, and it's very interesting to see that group has not done well over the over 2022 generally. But if I looked at the data, out of all of the data, that group, I've got 15 companies in my semiconductor portfolio. You can do that too. Just create a portfolio, put stuff in there. Uh, demand is still rising and supply has fallen right around options expirations. And that tells me that generally, again, folks are betting long on semiconductors. I have a very difficult time without, you know, without isolating for PEs, as you would suggest, Dennis, finding much really good right now, though. Here's the interesting thing. If you look at everything from real estate, you know, so real estate peaked, demands peaked, supplies coming up. If I look at materials, demand is starting to tail off, supply is rising. If I look at even finan uh, financials, financials, demand has peaked, supply is rising. I can find some good financials. I have a couple in the in the, the Market Structure Monday portfolio, Benzinga portfolio. Uh, but that's the interesting thing. So yes, I think you're right. But is that then the last gasp? You know, no, is it the last place be that point. you go uh, before year-end window dressing? 
because that's the best place to be if you're going to clean up your portfolio and say, this is how we're finishing 2022. That's a good point, too. I mean, and we can say these trends. I mean, if they Jim, decide to start selling stocks, I, I everything starts going down. Yeah, right. Fire away, Joel. <laughs> what you Joel. got? <clears throat> Joel's in Yeah, um, so one component. Yeah, yeah definitely. There's, someone's going to get yelled at at Comcast again today. Oh. Uh, so... Uh, one thing I have daily ranges, and it's become they become in downs. So is that a down? The volatility is coming down way higher. You think that's setting us up for another big whammy to the downside, just based on what you're seeing in in market structure? Because uh, we have um, been coming down. The average daily range is now coming into right. like only 80 handles in the S and P. Yeah. I'm going to so, re-say his question right quick, Tim, just so make yeah. sure that the audience could hear it too. Um, yeah. So Joel asked about the ATRs coming down. So the average true range coming down, what to make of that? So to the degree that that is similar to uh, what we would call volatility, the spread between intraday high and low prices, that's the metric we use, which is right here. You know, so I like to trade that stuff. So what does it mean when it comes down? I mean, that's a, it's a subject, it's a, it's a question that can only have a subjective answer, I think. Uh, but it's interesting how it's the complete opposite of the, what, what's called modern portfolio theory. So there, this is, you know, I'm, I'm demonstrating my age here, but there's a fellow named Louis Navalier who did very, very well in the 1990s using volatility as a reason to change direction. So as volatility in the market increased, reflecting uncertainty in the way that people looked at things, that it would be a turning point for the market. In our in the, the live demo for, which is really an educational session for Edge, and I'm getting to an answer to this. One of the, one of the users who was there pointed this out. He said, you know, we were talking about the VIX, the fact that the VIX comes down, and is that a good indicator? And I've, I've said the VIX is a consequence, not a good, it doesn't tell you what's coming. It is a consequence of things that happen. And he said, uh, you know, when the VIX comes down, it tells you everybody's doing the same thing. And I think that that's what it means, Joel, because, you know, you think about the way trades are executed. Over 85% of trades are derivations of midpoint. Exchange-traded funds want to be right in the center of the midpoint. They don't want tracking errors. Same with index funds. Quants want to find divergences. And when those diminish, they reduce their exposure to the market. Hedge funds that trade volatility back out of the market. So I think when you get to this point where there's there's limited intraday volatility or ATR, whatever you want to call mm -hmm. that particular measure, that it means all of the stuff is slowing down. Everybody has arrived at the same point. And the trouble, I'm not predicting what's going to happen. The mm -hmm. trouble with that, we have measured this, that it is very difficult for market makers in ETFs to price things when volatility vanishes. Because how do you know which thing to trade? And it is where the market tips over. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I look at the data and say, I can't find a good reason for the market to fall apart. The supply and demand equation is pretty good. Demand's rising. Supply has stopped falling. Those aren't terrible conditions. They don't, they don't portend a bunch of gains. But they don't, also don't give me a, the, the idea that the market is about to fall apart. However... You just never know when derivatives are involved. Do I think that we're off to the races? I don't, but I could be wrong. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's been that type of market. It's been tough overnight action, definitely shaking up traders. We'll definitely have to keep watch to see what happens there. Like always, Tim Quas, appreciate you joining us. And definitely, everybody, check out Market Structure Edge. You can get even a 30-day free trial without a credit card yep. needed. Go ahead and right. hit the link there. I threw it up in the chat, and I'll go ahead and I'll repost it in the chat so if you guys can join in there on Market Structure Edge. Thank you, Tim Quas, for joining us. Like always, Market Happy Structure Thanksgiving, Mondays. guys. Have a Thank happy you. Thanksgiving. Enjoy it down Thanks, there. Tim. Thank you. All right. Let's go ahead. We're going to continue and we'll get Joel back on. He's coming back. I think he tried to reset his computer a little bit there. We got you, Joel. You're back here. All right. Let's go ahead. We'll take a look at the overall action that's going on. How do you see the markets right now, Dennis? Um, 
we're we're fairly weak across the board. We're seeing pockets of strength. Obviously, Disney, Netflix are two pockets of strength off the Iger news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, I mean, it's kind of weak across the board. I'm not seeing standouts. I do see Tesla as a standout. It's one of the only stocks making a new 52-week low. I mean, you, you're a challenge because we're so far off the lows on the S&P yeah. that there's not a lot of stocks making new 52-week lows. So as you come in, this stock is obviously a standout to the downside. Um, same thing on the energy stocks. I mean, oil seems to pull back, but the energy stocks don't. Um, Relentless bits there. They're down a little bit here this morning, but it's like, you know, you keep waiting for the rollover and it just doesn't happen because of that PE trade. But yeah. um, I'm just seeing kind of, it's kind of weakness across the board this morning. What about Black Friday holiday shopping? As we do got some earnings reports this week on some stocks that will probably get some movement. Of course, Best Buy on the report this week. Nordstrom, Dick's Sporting Goods, Dollar Tree. Let's do Best Buy first. Uh, How do you guys feel about Best Buy's chart? It's been the retailers. It's been so mixed and it's so tough. And obviously, we're going to get a lot of, you know, retailers that report to your point, the Dollar Tree, Best Buy. We're going to Nordstrom on Wednesday. Burlington probably tracks well on Tuesday because TJX was pretty good and Ross stores killed it. Maybe the bar is a little bit higher there, but you got to think the earnings are going to be okay coming out there. Best Buy is a hard one to call because we've had, you know, I don't know. It's like obviously going there, you're buying PCs, but the PC market's going to be a little bit weaker. But then there's other pockets of strength. I can't get a feel for this Best Buy one. So this could go either way. Uh, technical setup for me is uh, pretty easy, Mitch. It doesn't really illustrate on your charts, uh, but on my charts that I'm looking at here, um, you had uh, two of your last three-day highs right at 72. You're trading down 42 cents. You got a nice gap up there to fill the 74.13. So respect 72 as resistance, but I think if you get a, you know, a nice market, you hold 72 with the bid. Uh, you got a gap to fill the 74.95. I will say when I went to dig sporting goods to buy some more gear for the uh, Michigan uh, Illinois game, they got a lot of stuff in there. I don't know who buys all that stuff, uh, but um, upgrading great, uh, great personal service there. They really helped me out a lot. I asked a lot of it's questions. Hard to find so. in 2022 is good. Service, yeah, it but... really is. They're really, really nice. They had employees there. to give you service. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I guess I went at a good time here. But um, uh, Dick's a little bit different chart. I see a little resistance at 110. But with that aside, with these retailers, it's like, you know, some good or some bad. We have Urban after the close. So we'll see how that uh, that trades. Um, and I just want to alert our traders, this Walmart area, it's been, uh, it's been trying to gain some steam and clear out this 150 seller. It's been persistent in three out of the last four sessions. So if they mop that that 150 seller up, uh, the uh, the next daily target on the monthlies, I'm just giving monthlies here, 154.99. And Tarjay, Dennis, you called this one. I did the article on it. They bought, they bought the, the dip, dip in on this, this one. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, they did. Yep. Tarjay. Okay. All right. We'll see what happens with those. What about Dollar Tree? Uh, that's DG. These stocks just seem to do well when times are not good, too. So if you're getting a little bit strapped for cash, people shop more at these stores. So it's kind of like the Walmart trade. It's kind of, you know, I just can't see, like, you know, all of a sudden Dollar Tree, you know, in a recession, these stocks actually hold up well, too. So I don't know how the earnings are going to be. It's it's a weird, it's been a weird quarter for retailers, like we said. Some of the Mm high-end stuff did okay, like Macy's. And then other high-end stuff didn't do okay. So it's just been a really weird quarter and very unpredictable earnings coming out of the retail sector. So, But you'd think Dollar Tree is usually pretty consistent. As, as their expectations too high, it's run up a little bit there. But on any dip, I think they buy Dollar Tree. So if it dips after the earnings, I do think the dips get bought. Uh, 165 is your level of control here. Uh, just above it, it's called 165 and a half. Splits the uh, highs from the last two sessions. <laughs> and that just happens to be the 50% retracement here. So... Keep a real close eye, 165, 165 and a half. Uh, if you're trying to buy the dip, 160 may be a little bit early, but uh, if it takes out that 160, 60, I see a pair of lows under 155. 
All right, last level's there. What will you be watching today in the spy, Joel? What should we be watching? The S&P, I was actually just looking at that when uh, um, I switched over to uh, got off the Chrome, Mitch. You've been telling me to get off the Chrome, so it does seem a little bit better here. Uh, we're got to get over mid-range here, uh, which is uh, 38.65. So we get above that. We got some work to do to get up to that closing price, 39.74. Uh, there's just, we're, I think we're just kind of going to have a quiet week here. I mean, there's always going to be tape bombs, uh, but there's just a lot of resistance here coming in at uh, the 3890 area. And uh, we're kind of protecting that low from uh, from from uh, Thursday, uh, that 39.12.50 low. So we're still, for all intents and purposes, holding the breakout from the CPI number. It just doesn't seem like we have a lot of giddy up to get back. Uh, above 4,000, and I've been talking about that. The high close of the move uh, has been 4,000 and a quarter. That was buffeted by another close at that area. So I'm not going to get the super bullish hat on until we can just get above that 4K and hold it with a bid, and I'm not sure that's going to happen today. So that's it. I'll let you guys finish out. Maybe I won't have to call and yell at Comcast all morning. That's if I can yell, get through to a person. Yeah, well, you know, yes, I went. They deserve no, it. I'm just on a. Uh, I went to Internet Explorer, and this is the only thing I had open. So um, I'm going to yell though. But uh, good job today, guys. And uh, Mitch, I'll check in with you later on. Of course, Joe. Have a good one. You guys can keep up with Joe on premarketprepplus.com, uh, premarketprep.com, and uh, for premarket prep. Plus, definitely keep up with him. Um, a stock that I'm going to pull out there and put it on people's radar is Para. Why Para? Well, Warren Buffett definitely bought the dip, spiking this on the daily chart. You guys can see that on the spike. But now, why do I think Para could be a play during this time? Well, of course, uh, if you want to watch the World Cup, one of the ways you guys can be watching all the games is by having Paramount Plus. Uh, so I think in this case, they could get some lift and subscribers just for the short run of the world cup but this could give it i kind of like the paramount play too match uh one even for today with disney up you, you know if you do think about sectors paramount's there as well obviously mm -hmm. disney is a lot different company but you know we are seeing a pop in netflix off of obviously disney and i i think a sneaky one could be some of the media companies here yeah. and you know paramount does set up like a value stock as well i mean it's got the 5.15 percent dividend what's the pe on this puppy you know, look. go, I think go it's look really, at this. I think it's pretty low, but I think it's pretty it low right too. I mean, as much as the stock got stupid out of hundred dollars when you know it was Wang or whatever it was, you know, buying it up there. I mean, at eighteen dollars, you're looking for a value name. It's a, obviously a company not firing on all cylinders, but in a clear downtrend. But do they come, you know, sneaky PE expansion backed on Paramount? Maybe. I have four, and then I have in the forward PE a twelve point eight. Stock is. Low PE. You know what? I kind of like Paramount here. We'll take a look. We'll see if it can get back over I'm with the you, hourly Mitch. I'm with you. levels. I'm going to look for a breakout above Rating 19. Down, um, so uh, 19's an important level right above it. It did make that run on the Buffett news above 20s. So that's kind of the target in the long run. If we could get a nice little push from 19s to 20s, somewhere in between there, I don't mind taking that run. We'll see what happens there on Para today. Of course, this is going to be on people's minds because of the world cup and of course we'll be on my mind the world cup we'll see what happens there will the u.s get a little bit further will my team my team i'll give you guys my news is uh i'm a big germany fan because if you guys don't know it believe it or not i have german citizenship a little something secret i hide in the back that. pocket there but uh you always got to have a little bit of some hidden tricks there so yeah deutschland all the way for me but uh do you watch a little bit of soccer dennis have you ever watched the world cup i'm not a soccer fan so i've never <laughs> been a soccer fan i'm a hockey fan i like baseball i watch some football i've never been a soccer fan i just never could get it you know why <clears throat> why my, my history so i played five years organized soccer as a kid yeah, I never scored a goal. I don't think in those five years. I don't oh, think I've ever scored a goal. Oh man! And I was, I was the one of the crappy trade. Back then, you know, it was like, you know, back in the day. Obviously, you know, we have everybody, you know, all the kids. You got to be fair and stuff now. But I can remember back in the day. Like I remember the coach saying to me, you know, he put he put me on defense, and he's like, "Your job is to kick it up to the good kids." 
I remember him saying that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is tough back in the day. So maybe I got a bad taste from poor coaching or whatever it was back in the day on uh, soccer. But uh, uh, five years playing, never was good at it, never really liked it. So it was something to do, I guess. But no, never scored a goal. I think I've had yeah, a bad they, taste of soccer they, ever they, since. They, 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 nowadays, you know, they change up the lineup. They would have put you as a forward to set you up for the Oh, goal. yeah. You can't just stay on defense if you're a crappy player. Back yeah, in the they, day, they do rotation. And I wasn't a good trainer. Now, Let's give the coach know. a break. I was a yeah. bad soccer player. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a good soccer player. I'm not an athlete. Joel's an athlete. I'm not an athlete. I was the opposite of an athlete. Yeah. Hey, never hey, scored yeah. goals. Kicking and never... screaming. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah, that, that was Dennis right there. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> you guys I have a great one. Dennis, go do what you do best, my friend. Go get to the trading action. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow a little bit later. And, of course, right here on Benzinga. Don't miss it. We got a lot going on. And I did tell everybody that in the office, if I don't hear – yelling of goal every time a goal is scored in the world cup something is going wrong so if you're watching the shows and all of a sudden you hear goal yelling in the background you know exactly what happened but we'll keep it going right here on benzinga financial content all day hit the subscribe button down below if you're new to the show we got benzinga tv coming up next live trading action with zunaid ryan and i and then we'll get into some educational of course, one of the things that we've been trying to do for you guys is bring you guys some more strategies, some skills to play. And one thing that I'm continuing to work on is a feedback form. So if you guys can do me the favor, hit that link. You don't need to leave your name. You don't need to leave your number. You don't even need to leave anything, really. Just your feedback. What do you guys want to see more or less of on pre-market prep? I want you guys to run the show. So go ahead and hit that link. Hit the form. And I will see you guys on live trading starting up right now.